the gospel message you hear, the planting of a church, the sending of a preacher. God knows and God has stated, faith cometh by hearing, and he works toward that goal. And God uses the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, do you understand God's timing before the foundation of the world, having predestined, programmed before time, each and every one who will one day be in glory. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and today we're coming to another part of our Tulip Theology, Unconditional Election. This is a most important doctrine because the Bible teaches us very clearly that in the beginning of the world, indeed before the foundation of the world, he has chosen us in his Son, and our names were already Put marked and ordained for eternal life. What a wonder, what a mystery that the God of all grace, of infinite wisdom, should uh, design salvation so specifically. And today we're coming to that doctrine of election. We'll be turning to Ephesians chapter 2, and then we'll wrap up with a few questions on that subject from our message today. But firstly, we begin with our hymn, O for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, by the Reformation Choir. a big month about elections, and we're sort of glad we're not in America having to cast a vote in recent elections, because that was a, a tough decision for many people. And when you got to the ballot box, well, people would have to look at those names, add up all their virtues, and add up all their shortcomings, and wonder, who am I going to vote for? I heard of some who decided not to vote at all 
because of the awful dilemma. And uh, their claim was that, well, we just don't want to vote for someone who will, is not right. Now, if God had taken that position, if he had looked down upon this world and he had seen fallen man in all our shame, disgrace, and our sin, and what we learned last week about total depravity, that man is sick from head to toe, his heart is corrupt, there is no thought of God in his mind, and he is absolutely unworthy. God would have chosen nobody. He would never have chosen a soul. And this is the marvel of election. This is the marvel of God choosing sinners, that he doesn't choose us because of our goodness, but he chooses us in spite of our goodness, and he calls us unto himself. Now, I want to throw out a little challenge to you today, and that is I want you to memorize Ephesians chapter 1 and then say, there's no such thing as election in the Bible. Would you like to do that? I think if everybody took careful heed to the terms of the Scripture, we would all bow the knee and say, this is a, a very marvelous and true doctrine of God. Just let me draw your attention to some of the key words in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 4, firstly, according as he hath chosen us. Verse 5, you have the word predestinated. Verse 5 also, the good pleasure of his will. Verse 9, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things. And then verse 18 adds to it all, having the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, in spite of, in, in spite of those very clear statements, in spite of the fact that the word election is in the Bible, it's backed up by the word chosen, predestinated, God's purpose, God's will. There are those who contest that God chooses people on the basis that he foresees in advance, looking down the pipeline of time, what they are going to choose. And because God, being omniscient, knows what men are going to choose, he then chooses them. Now, that really creates a few difficulties. And that becomes the center of the discussion on this whole point of God's election. Does God make an offer of salvation and leave it up to men to take it or leave it according to their own desires? If that's the case, then we have two very big problems. The first problem for God is that he's not in control. He may provide a salvation that nobody takes, or all the people who ought to take it don't even think of taking it. And the other problem is, if salvation is my choice alone, and if I have chosen today, then I may feel to choose tomorrow. And so, leaving it up to man's choice, well, it puts a huge question mark on the ability to keep that salvation. Now, this is not an issue of what we prefer or what we personally think. Our preference cannot come into it. 
it is really a matter of what the Bible teaches. Because a Christian is guided not by reason, human reason, but by revelation and what we learn right here in the Bible. And upon reading this chapter, uh, Ephesians 1 and many other portions of the Bible, that God chooses, God initiates, and God finalizes the saving of our souls, well, there is only one answer to this great mission. That builds upon what we learned last week about man's total depravity. If men are totally anti-God, predisposed to evil, corrupt from head to toe, having no thought of God but their imagination is only evil continually, then it has to be God's grace, God's initiative, God's plan to save sinners. And so today we're going to look at this subject of election in this passage, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to discover God's way of saving depraved sinners. That's really the essence of our task here today. I want you to look first at the people of God's choosing. Let's go back to verse 4, and we read here, according as he, that is God the Father, hath chosen us, chosen us. Now, this applies to people. God does not choose virtues. He does not choose qualities. He does not choose graces. He chooses individual people, those that are the sons of Adam, those that are fallen by nature. And the choosing really is God selecting. And he sets his love upon individuals. Now, it's the same selection of people which the Lord made of the twelve disciples. Well, maybe I better say eleven disciples plus one. We know that Judas was appointed uh, to the evil task that he ended up betraying the Lord. And the Lord knew all about Judas in advance. So, uh, he was chosen specifically because he was the son of perdition. But the Lord called the disciples, eleven who served him faithfully, and he called them by name, sons of Zebedee, James, Andrew, Peter, John, Bartholomew, Matthew. They were each called by name. That's very important. Because when the Lord elects, selects, chooses, he does so by name. If you remember the 70 disciples who were sent out on their evangelistic mission, and they come back all excited to the Lord because they said, the devils are even subject to us. And the Lord said, don't be rejoicing in that. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the book of life, written in heaven. And so when God chooses and selects, it's not just qualities, ideas, abstract things. It's individuals. It is particular souls. And your name is written in the book of life. So it's really you and me. It's really those whom he calls by his grace. So God 
cannot elect merely abstract things, and this is the wonder of his electing love. Now, every Christian has this hope. Every sinner must cry out for this blessed hope, because the church is the called out. Those whom God has called out of every nation, every people. And we know it's going to be a great multitude. We do not despair that the church is going to be so small because God has just elected a very few people. Well, he did say, fear not my little flock. And there will be small numbers of people here, there, in any period of time, any part of the world. But when you put the whole aggregate together, God's elect, we're told in Revelation, is an innumerable number, cannot be counted. There's so many. And so God's election is a vast, vast work, his total church. And the church is referred to as the elect of God. Now, make sure you're in. Make sure that you are one of God's elect. Make sure that your name is written in the book of life. And that's the hope that we have as Christians. And here are the people of God's choosing. Now, back to verse 4 in Ephesians, and we will look at the timing of God's choosing before the foundation of the world. Now, I don't claim to be a Greek scholar. I did a little bit of Greek, uh, one of those mandatory subjects of Bible college. I uh, have the ability to look up certain words and work through the grammar a little bit here and there. And there's various tenses in the Greek that are very interesting. And I was homing right in on those things, looking at this aorist tense. The aorist tense in the Greek language means something that is done once, and it's done completely, and it's done totally. And that applies to this word chosen. God chose his people once, and he did it in the past. But God has done more than just give us the grammar on this. He's even stated it absolutely clear before the foundation of the world. So it's not just a done thing, but it is, the time of it is absolutely staggering before the world was ever created. Before there was a Paul who wrote Ephesians 1, before there was a Moses in the Old Testament, or Abraham, who is called the father figure of the church, or before there was an Adam who brought sin into the world, God in his foreordination, predestination, in his sovereign election, in his plan and purpose to save his people, he did it before the very foundation of the world. Now, this proves a few things for us that God's choice is free. He didn't choose because we were good. He didn't choose because we were better. God's election of some people to eternal life was not his ability to foresee our response to the gospel. And again, that is the objection that some people raise, and they think that because God is all-knowing that he decides upon what man will decide. Well, if that was the case, no one would be saved. Because the doctrine of total depravity 
emphatically shows that no one desires God, and none will ever choose Him without an operation of grace. You remember that text in John 6, 44, that uh, no man can come to me except the Father draw him? And so we are saved not on the basis of faith. Acts 13, 48 tells us that. Not on the basis of man's repentance. It's not on the basis of our good works. And I'll prove that in verse 4 here of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, that we should become holy. It's not because we were already holy. And God puts grace in our hearts. He puts the gospel in our hearts that he may bring forth the fruit of holiness. But that, of course, comes later. <clears throat> it's not on the basis of willpower, because the Lord Jesus said, ye will not come to me. Ye will not. You don't have that ability to come. Nor before the work of the Holy Spirit, who brings about sanctification. Let's turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Here is a very key text on the whole matter of God's choosing and calling us. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And you'll notice the order there. The choosings first, the salvation follows, the sanctification follows that, and then, of course, the spirit and belief of the truth. That's the order. That's how God works. He chooses us first that we might be holy. And therefore, we conclude that election is free. God is free. He acts without a cause. In Romans 3, 24, being justified freely. That means that God worked without a cause. And when God looks down upon sinful men and he looks into the hearts of men, what does he see? He sees sin. He sees rejection. He sees man's revolt. He sees rebellion. All those things we learned in the doctrine of total depravity. And God, still without a cause, without a reason, chooses to bring us out of that way of misery and condemnation into new life in the Lord Jesus. And so, election is not based upon our goodness. Election is not ordained upon God seeing our future behavior. It is based upon His decree. Let's face it. The only reason why anything is certain in this world is because God so plans it. He decrees it to take place. And God can only foreknow what's going to happen because he has so designed it to happen. Nothing happens in this world merely perchance. And God foreknowing 
is based on his foreseeing. Now, the timing of God's choosing was his ability to make our destiny certain. If you look again at verse 5, you will see this word predestinated, predestinated. The timing of God's choosing was his ability to make our destiny certain. That's what predestination means. Predestine eight. Pre-program in advance. And we should pause here to establish just a few things. Number one, predestination is in the Bible. It's a Bible word. It's a Bible doctrine. Predestination is not man's addition to his own vocabulary. When you hear me or any other preacher talking about predestination, we did not get it first in the theology books. We did not get it out of some system of man's reasoning. It is right here in the Bible. God, the Holy Spirit, when he inspired the Bible, put this word right here in Ephesians 1 verse 5, predestinated because he wants readers to know that he's working by a program, not at whim, not waiting to see what men will do with his offer of salvation. God made it certain from the very beginning. And so God works toward a goal. That's how God works. He's like an architect. An architect sits there with a blank piece of paper, and then he asks, what kind of a building are we looking for? Something that's going to serve a particular purpose. If it's a church, well, it's got to have all the right entrances, accesses, seating, and so on. If it's a warehouse, it's got to have certain height and conditions uh, and so on. If it is a, a city hall, it's got to serve all the people that come and go and work in that building. The architect starts with a goal. And when he plans, he makes sure that he puts all the pieces together to work toward that goal. And so, what is God's goal? God's goal is to save sinners, to bring them out of an estate of sin and misery into an estate of grace and one day glory. God's goal is to take that poor, wretched man who's steeped in sin out of that condition to worship him in the eternal glory. That's his goal. Now, for that goal, God chose a people, and then he planned the cross, and then he appointed his Son. And for that goal, he sends the Holy Spirit to ensure that all the pieces come together and salvation is completed. And there are no mistakes with God. You today are in God's program with Bible in hand. It's no mistake that God has given us this book. It's inspired preserved, and right down to this generation, you and I have the ability to read his word. The gospel message you hear, the planting of a church, the sending of a preacher, God knows and God has stated, faith cometh by hearing, and he works toward that goal. And God uses the foolishness of preaching 
to save them that believe. Now, do you understand God's timing before the foundation of the world, having predestined, programmed before time, each and every one who will one day be in glory. That's the marvel of God's statement here on election. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gulliher, and again, thank you for taking the time to stay tuned with us here and We're just settling a few issues here on this message on election. And uh, the question is, is it a Bible doctrine? Or is it something that is made up by men? Well, the word election is used repeatedly in the Bible. Uh, The Scripture speaks about God's elect. Uh, Then you have the word chosen, which really is the same deal. It has the same import and impact on our understanding. Uh, then there are those who are called of God. And another term that is used is the Lord's sheep. And the Lord's sheep hear his voice, and they follow him. And so all of these terms uh, point to the fact that, yes, God has a people in mind, whom he has ordained, and that's another Bible word, ordained to eternal life. Uh, Then when were we chosen? And uh, that is very clear in Ephesians 1-4, before the foundation of the world. Now, I mentioned in the message the Greek text or aorist tense uh, to deal with God choosing And the aorist is really a point in time. It is not the continuous tense. It's not past, present, or future. But it is a point in time when God moved to choose his people. And God did that before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve, before any of our forefathers were in the world, before we were born, God already had chosen his elect people, and he knoweth them that are his. And of course, it's not just God looking down the pipeline to see what we will do with the gospel, but rather God knows that we're rotten to the core, totally depraved and lost, and God saw us in our sinful state. There was nothing in us why he should save us. And as I pointed out in that text, uh, that we should be holy, And God's purpose of election is to bring us into a right relationship with God through Christ, made holy through the work of redemption and by the Holy Spirit dwelling within. Take these things to heart today. Rejoice in them. And if you are a believer, let this word comfort your heart that God chose you from before the foundation of the world. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.lt 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music